Welcome to the Wing Chun Podcast, the Sifu's Stories, the place where the world's most renowned Sifus share their stories and insights. I am your host, Bogdan Roshu. We're here with uh, Sifu John Smith. Uh, Sifu Smith is um, one of Wong Sun Long's first generation students. And he's been teaching for uh, a few decades in uh, in Australia. Sifu Smith, mm. can you tell us a bit about your journey? How did you discover Wing Chun? How did you discover Wong Sun Lung? And um, uh, mm. yeah, just a bit yeah, like sure. how you started out. Sure. I mean, I've been uh, practicing, I guess, prior to nineteen eighty nine. Uh, what I class as an inferior version of Wing Chun. But also prior to that, I've, I've done uh, training Kyokushin, Karate, uh, Taekwondo, and a couple of other Chinese martial arts as well. But I was interest, very interested in uh, in uh, Wing Chun because it, very, it seemed very practical to me. Mm-hmm. And um, in uh, 1989, I visited uh, Sifu David Peterson, who had Wong Sun out for a seminar. And I was, uh, I guess at that time, I was very um, doubting a lot of what I've seen before in uh, in fighting concepts. And uh, after then, uh, of, uh, listening and uh, hearing Wong Sun Lung's words, I became uh, a, a very, very, uh, very converted to what he was saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What impressed you the most? I guess what was the most, uh, I always was interested in myself, whether it be in um, boxing, karate, or whatever. I wanted something that was practical, and uh, Wong Sun Lung gave me that practical experience. It was very simple, it was very direct, and it was very efficient. Yeah. And that was something yeah. I was kind of, um, definitely uh, uh, interested in. Okay. So. <clears throat> Um, so, um, did you decide, you know, on the spot to become a student of of Sifu um, Wong uh, Sun Lung, or was it like a process that you went through? Okay, um, I asked David Peterson at that time for a letter of introduction. I already understood uh, some form of Chinese culture, and David wrote me out a letter. When I uh, went to Hong Kong in 1991. Um, I, I gave a letter that was written in Chinese mm-hmm. to uh, Wong Sun Lung, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he, he was quite interested in that letter, and uh, it opened up a lot of, uh, I guess, um, uh, it, it opened up a lot of um, uh, borders for me. Okay, so what was it like uh, training with, um, with Wong Sun Lung? Okay, the best way to to describe uh, training in Hong Kong with Wong Sun Lung was it was a melting pot from all over the world where people would come. Not that it was a great lot of people that would go, that was attending the school in uh, Nulla Road in, uh, in, in Hong Kong, but um, uh, it was very um, self-learning. You put in what you got, and uh, that was the main thing. Uh, it was very much a, a self-progressive system that you got. The harder you trained, the more you received. Interesting. So how did that compare to your um, Kyokushin um, 
karate training? Well, obviously, in uh, the previous systems of uh, whether it be Japanese or, or Korean martial arts, um, it was very much uh, in those systems. It was very much directed. It was like almost like military type of training, mm-hmm. but in uh, the the Wing Chun, it was very whatever you put in, you got back, and that's what I think I I, I aspired to and I liked more mm-hmm. because what you put in to you got back. If you didn't put in, then you got uh, you got nothing. Nothing back, right? Um, before before starting Wing Chun, I used to train in um, in Shotokan Karate and. The atmosphere was exactly as you described it, like uh, preparation for the army, basically. We had like this respect for rigid forms of, uh, of training. And when I discovered Wing Chun and when we're training, um, uh, you know, having the Wing, the Wing Chun training was a lot more... I wouldn't say that you could express yourself a lot more, but it was... The atmosphere was a lot lighter. And uh, you mm. could relax a lot more, and you could enjoy your training a lot more, right? It wasn't well, so mechanical, basically. The tra- training in Hong Kong was very intense. You either made a mistake and you got hit, yeah, or you understood the concepts and you gave back. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very much a, uh, a stepping stone response. And what I mean by that is that if you were able to uh, uh, challenge or meet the person that was better than you, yeah. then you next step, step up the run. But if you mm-hmm. didn't, you mm-hmm. stayed where you were. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, it really did force you to improve. If you didn't improve, then you stayed where you were and you went back home with what you came for. That's very, and I think, you know, for, in your case, that you come from Australia, especially for, for training, every second, like, mattered. Correct. Right. I mean, um, uh, it, you're correct in what you say. I mean, um, most of the, a lot of the foreigners over there, some of the foreigners over there yeah. that lived in Hong Kong and stayed in Hong Kong never really asked the amount of questions or detail that what... Uh, someone was over there for a shorter period of time but wasn't living there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. therefore, it was um, uh, you really wanted to train and work hard for what you did. If you trained really hard, then Sifu would give you the keys to the, the school. Yeah. And what I mean by that, you could then train with other foreigners or other people that had uh, time off to do that in between the, uh, the, the training that was there. The training was usually from uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, um, from around about, say, uh, 3.30 to about 11 o'clock or 10.30 at night time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you could basically come, show up to the school at 3 o'clock and just start your training, right, and do your thing. Definitely, much, de- definitely much a drop-in class. So things started to really start happening around about, like, 7 o'clock, where right. a lot of people would come off and then uh, start to train. So, uh, uh that's the way the training progressed. But before then, you'd put in the effort and uh, you, you obviously want to train, uh, impress mm-hmm. what, uh, uh, what Wong Salong was looking at you during that time. Cool. So what is Wing Chun to you today? And um, what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated to keep teaching and keep spreading the, uh, the system of, of Sifu Wong? 
Mm -hmm. So I'm very much into promoting uh, Wong Sung Wong's teachings. Um, I try to keep, I, I do keep true to his, what he was, uh, what I've experienced and his teachings as well. I don't change the forms. I don't change the chi cell. I keep everything as what I was taught. Mm -hmm. However, there is a fair amount of um, uh, expression mm -hmm. that you can, and uh, sure, I always keep true to the concepts of being simple, direct, and efficient. And Sifu said there was three levels of excellence divided within Wing Chun. Okay. Or his Wing Chun. The first was block the, the lowest is block then attack. Mm -hmm. The next is block and attack at the same time. The third, the best he thought was to counter hit the person in one action. Mm -hmm. And that's what we should be doing in Wing Chun all the time. Mm -hmm. Not blocking, block, blocking, hitting the person in one action. Um, so when you're saying hitting the person in one action, are you referring to when the person is getting ready? Because I remember this um, this comparison by when I read the um, when I re read David Peterson's book on um, Wong Sun Lung's method, and mm. uh, he was saying that he preferred this concept from uh, the Art of War from Sun Tzu when um, when basically the army is crossing the river, that would be the best time to attack, right? And, um, so just to, uh, yep, sure. Just wait. to elaborate on that, he felt when the person was out of distance, yeah, is what you're relating to. So when the person was out of distance, by the time they came, I mean, the idea was not so much to enter towards the person's space. It was mm -hmm. wait for the person to come to you and to eat their space, take their space. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what he was referring to not waiting for the person to come across a river, not waiting for the person to be back towards the river, waiting for them to come into the river and then you attack and take the space. Interesting. So from a technical point of view, when you're saying attack the person or counter the person exactly when he's attacking, are you referring to just simply punching, um, punching the person when he's attacking or using also a helping action like, uh, I don't know, like Pakda or... Um, Mm. Mm. Okay. First, uh, too many people are using a secondary action mm -hmm. to use the primary action, which is mm -hmm. the punch. First and foremost, you don't need to use any of the secondary actions unless the, the primary action, which is the punch, gets intercepted or diverted in some other way. Mm -hmm. Then you use an assisting hand to help the punch to get in to hit the person. Yes, I'm, I'm so happy you're, you're saying this because I keep telling this uh, to my students all the time. It's a bit like, I, I like to see it more like boxing, but boxing with the helping action. Like in case somebody blocks you, you start to use your secondary actions instead of um, focusing on, oh, I'm going to do a tanda, I'm going to do a bong and lap and so on and so forth. You need to be able to use the punch and you need to be able to take the person's balance. Mm -hmm. See if you talked about two things, preserving your balance and taking the person's balance. That was most important. Mm -hmm. If you take the person's balance, then it's more difficult for them to re, uh, retaliate back to you mm -hmm. while you're hitting them. 
Awesome. Uh, you know, we actually um, had a discussion on the Wing Chun forum where you shared um, one of your videos. And by the way, guys, for the people listening, go ahead and uh, check out Sifu John Smith's uh, YouTube channel. You're going to find a lot of videos. And um, they're very much in this philosophy of being short, direct, to the point, and very, very efficient, just like, uh, like Sifu Wong's teaching. Um, and you shared a video of one of your students using a heavy bag, right? And I want right. to ask you, what would be a very, very good, efficient way of making sure that when you are going in to punch somebody, because you are taking a huge risk when you're going in, um, exactly when the person is attacking and you're going in, they can punch you as well. So how do you make sure that when you are stepping in, that your punches are very, very efficient, that you can knock somebody out with two punches? First and foremost, there is two methods to play with or train with. Waiting for the person to come to you so you can counter hit the person. Mm -hmm. The other is once it's more developed and you are more trained, then you can take the punch back to the person. This depends on your level of training. So you need to develop a strong punch. Too many people in Wing Chun have not got a strong punch. You really need to be developed. If your punch is not strong, you'll suffer and you'll get knocked out. Mm -hmm. Wing Chun's a great system, but yeah. it needs to develop a strong punch. Yeah. This is why there's two parts to develop the punch. One is the elbow, which you train on the wall bag. The other is the punch that develops on the heavy bag. The heavy bag gives you the greatest amount of feedback. Mm -hmm. Some uh, some people think... Uh, uh, their, their, their punch is so strong when they're punching the air. This is incorrect. You need to get feedback on what your punch is really like. What's the difference uh, between punching a heavy bag and punching the wall bag? Two things. Sifu always said that, uh, or Wong Sung always said, the wall bag develops the elbow and the waist. It's a bit hard for me to describe it in words. Mm -hmm. It's almost... Got to have a look at the YouTube channel to have a look. Definitely. What the heavy bag does is train the full extension of the punch, and that's what you get back. It can't be a light bag; it must be a heavy bag. And um, I noticed that very, very few people outside the boxing and kickboxing and maybe um, some forms of kung fu, but you don't generally see when some people are training on a heavy bag. Why do you suppose that is? I can't answer that. But all I can say is there are two forms of equipment or several, two bags of equipment that are in Wong Sung Lung's school. Mm -hmm. One was a wall bag, a sapa, and the other one was the heavy bag. It was a leather bag hung. Yeah. And uh, as I said, it was quite heavy. So I promote those two ideas. And I see it in my students and I see it in the way they punch us. My students go into uh, uh, punch on with people of... Uh, uh, Boxing uh, skills, they do other martial art against mother, mother martial arts as well. Mm -hmm. And their punching skills are very, uh, very strong and developed. You're making me want mm. to buy a heavy bag and put it in my school. <laughs> Good. <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, yesterday was, um, was actually the International Wing Chun um, Day. And... Um, we got together in, in uh, our school and we watched the documentary with uh, Sifu Wong Sun Lung. And I tell you, we were, we were very, very surprised on how, how well 
this documentary was made. I mean, it was inspirational, it was educational, and we had some laughs. Like we were still giggling after after watching it. How was the experience for you? Because I know that people can see you um, in the documentary. How was it for you? How did it come together? Can you tell us a bit about that? Okay. Well, first, my uh, my good friend David Peterson was the uh, the person that put all this together, mm-hmm. and uh, he asked me for a series of questions um, that was sent sent to me in uh, email about uh, what I should uh, answer. I gave my uh, honest reply, and uh, for me, it was a very proud moment because mm-hmm. all those people that were involved in that documentary are direct Wong Tsung Lung students, mm-hmm. and uh, it's very difficult to, to describe, but um, I find that uh, uh, the essence of Wong Tsung Lung Wing Chun was involved in the training of directly under Wong Tsung Lung. How was it? How was it for you? Like, um, uh, how was it for you watching the um, the documentary? What was you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, first I was very happy to see myself there, giving a <laughs> representation. I was very happy for my Si Hing Dai, uh, uh, the students that trained directly under Wong Sung Lo, um, give their representation of how they they trained in Hong Kong in those times and. Several of those people that you've mentioned uh, that were in that documentary were training or I trained with uh, in Hong Kong during that time. Let's get to the heart of the uh, interview. What Mm. what is your favorite Wing Chun related story and uh, could you share it with us? I guess um, the most favorite story for myself was uh, back in 1989. It was during the uh, Qingming Festival that I decided to... um, turn up to Wong Tsung Lung School. Mm-hmm. Um, I turned up, I think it was on a Friday, and uh, during that time, the school was shut down. So I turned up and uh, turned back away. Yeah. But came back again on the uh, on the Monday when the school was open. Mm-hmm. I trained with, um, outside of, uh, of another Wong Tsung of uh, outside the Wong Tsung Lung system, beforehand and uh, on the first night I got beat up pretty bad <laughs> um, I re- <laughs> on the Tuesday I rang my wife up who was in Australia at the time and I said I really wanted to come home because the beating was too hard <laughs> but after that uh, the uh, the guys that I've been training with uh, took me on board and they they knew I was interested or wanted to learn yeah. real Wing Chun and uh after then, it was like a stepping stone approach to be able to uh, learning uh, Wong Sung and Wing Chun. You know, I always, um, I always have this joke with uh, some of my new students. I tell them, if you survive the first week, then you can join the club. I guess that was your case when you started with Wong Sung Lung. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it was pretty hard at, at first because it was very intense. Mm-hmm. But the learnings that you got out of that was... Uh, was was uh, very much a uh, a learning for myself within myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was fairly uh, introverted, I suppose, but uh, after definitely coming back from Hong Kong, <laughs> I had a lot more confidence in myself. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, this is what it is to today. Interesting. That kind of le- leads to my next question: How did Wing Chun mm-hmm. 
um, how how did the system contribute in your life? What changed? Yeah, I guess um, I've trained in Taekwondo, Kyokushin Karate, and a couple of other martial arts prior to, to Wing Chun, mm-hmm. but um, I never really felt confident in um, yeah in what I refer to as the pavement arena. Yeah. Wing Chun gave me that confidence because it was in-your-face type of martial art. Mm-hmm. It was or, or what Sifu referred to as not so much a martial art as a fighting skill. It gave me that in-closeness. It gave me that threatening feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, definitely after that, I felt a lot more confident in myself. It, it was something that I had uh, always wanted to, to find, and I eventually found it. I resonate with that a lot because I trained martial arts for seven years before um, before actually starting out with with Wing Chun, and I had a similar feeling that if something went down on the street, I didn't really know what to do. It's not that now that I'm looking for uh, fights or uh, you know anything can happen on the street, but the feeling is different just from training Wing Chun. I want, I want something when it literally happens in my face. I need to be able to respond to, and Wing Chun gives me that training. Mm-hmm. I mean, most other, um, a lot of other martial arts, they res- they do what I call a, uh, a set response. Mm-hmm. So therefore, someone punches here and you do a response. It's like one step, two step, or three step sparring, which is totally outdated. Right. The chi within what Wing Chun does, and also the drills that mimic or enhance the chi should happen anywhere and anything happens. Mm-hmm. So you should respond back to that. It's not like a set response routine. If you fight, if you learn to fight like that, you'll never, ever, you'll never ever succeed in fighting. How do you feel? I know you've been contributing to Wing Chun Illustrated for a few times. What do you feel that each of uh, each of us can do to contribute more to our to the Wing Chun community? So we have the best results from training Wing Chun, and um, mm. yeah. Wing Chun is very, uh, there's a lot of gray areas in Wing Chun. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's up to the individual to be able to express themselves, I guess. I, I can't say, um, I can't be a, a critic of other styles of Wing Chun because I don't understand their philosophies or, or thinkings. Mm-hmm. But, however, there are some key elements that need to be understood. The first is to be able to hit your person in one action. The chi sao needs to mimic that as well, as with it is what that from what you do within the chi sao should mimic what you do within fighting. Right. It shouldn't be two differences. It should be the same ideal. Otherwise, why not practice? Why why dispense and just throw away what you're doing with chi sao and just do sparring? No, sorry, there needs to be a bridge, and chi sao is the bridge. When you're saying that, are you referring to the state that you are using a certain state, uh, a certain fighting uh, state when you're doing chizo, or are you also referring to the um, intent when you're doing chizo? Like, for example, sometimes we, when we're doing chizo, I'm, I'm telling my students, okay, think that you're actually punching right now instead of just rolling your hands. Just go forward with your intention. The idea, <clears throat> the most important element within chizo is what we call latauji drum. Free hand thrust forward. So therefore, if there's a gap, you hit instantly. Immediately, right. It's not where you're playing hands or setting up or trying to set up your response. 
it's hitting in one action. And you would then transfer what you were doing within Chisau into real life fighting. Mm -hmm. It can't be a separation. It must be because you need to automate a response. Mm -hmm. You develop in Chisau, you're related to what you're doing within uh, real life fighting. So do you feel that when you're doing cheese out and you're not using that kind of mentality, is it like a waste of time or is it working against um, your fighting training? It's not not realistic for what you're doing. You ne Are we here for training how to fight or are we training how to uh, uh, play a game? Right, right. If the idea is about training how to fight, and we need to develop those attributes to become an automatic response mm -hmm. to a situation. Okay, Sifu Smith, if you could share only one idea, only one lesson with one one lesson with your students, what would that be? It's not just one one idea because Wing Chun develops several. We need to develop several attributes. Mm -hmm. If we look what we're doing within Silum Tao, we're training an elbow. We're training a waist, which needs to be developed. If the waist is not developed, then you will be pushed or shoved out of position mm -hmm. within a realistic fighting environment. Right. The idea here is to hit the person with a coordinated waist and punch uh, attribute. If that's not developed, then um, you're only just using your punch. You're only just using a, uh, uh, this that's not connected to the body mass. Mm -hmm. The punch and the body mass need to be connected to hit hard. You need to hit 100% with all your body connection. Right. That's the, best, that's the best advice I can give any of my students or anyone else. What would be one, uh, one tip that you could share with, uh, with our audience? Okay. Um, I guess um, the idea of practicing your punch, hitting hard, hitting with a coordinated body mass. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not just the uh, the heavy bag that can develop that, or the uh, the wall bag. If you're using your focus mitts correctly, mm -hmm. you are training to a response, to a reaction all the time, not just to a set response. You need to be able to develop a response or an automated response to an attack. Mm -hmm. It's no use developing a set response to a set routine. It needs to happen instantaneously. Okay, I think uh, that's that was about it. Uh, Sifu Smith, thank you so much for uh, for your time and your wisdom. It's always worth to go back to the basics and train your primary action to make it strong and uh, automatic so that it's there when you need to use it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Sifu Smith, where can people find you? Um, you can find me at uh, WSLVTAustralia.com. Um, mm -hmm. So um, I'm always around. <laughs> awesome. I'll post a link in the description of this podcast episode. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for your time, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, go ahead and check out addictedtowingchun.com for some more awesome free stuff. Go and watch the documentary about Sifu Wong Sun Long's life, his legacy, and um, his fighting philosophy. I tell you, it will contribute a lot in your winning training. 
I'll post the link in the description and of course if you want to if you're passionate about training Wing Chun but you don't have a school close to you and you want to train at home um, you can check out our online programs where you can develop a strong Wing Chun foundation.